So today, <coughs> excuse me, the share today is about the story of the Isha Hashinamis. This is the Haftarah of Parshas Vayera, last week's Parsha. And uh, it's one of those interesting Haftarahs where it's not obvious what the connection between the Haftarah and the Parsha is. It's a long story in Sefer Malachim, Malachim Beis. Um, some par- aspects of the story are familiar, <coughs> and others are, are interesting. And the, the, the more you learn about the story, and the more you understand about the story, then the more we start seeing the connection between the story of the Isha Shunamis and what it teaches us about Sarah and Yitzchak and Akedas Yitzchak, and a little bit about Hagar and Yishmael as well. So first I'll just give a quick overview of the story, and then we'll, we'll learn it inside. <clears throat> the Isha Shunamis, we don't know what her name was. Shunamis is a place. Uh, what's interesting about the Isha Shunamis is that there's one other person in Tanakh that's referred to as Shunamis, and that's Avishag Shunamis. Avishag Shunamis was the last wife of David HaMalach, the last woman he married. <clears throat> and... Uh, Chazal say that Avishag Hashunamis was the sister of this Isha Hashunamis. They both share that, that, that uh, last name, I guess, we can call it the Shunamis. The strange thing is, though, that David HaMalach died 90 years, at least, before this story took place. So there was a very, very big gap in the, when they had their uh, kids. Or the Isha Hashunamis was very, very old. And that does seem to be the case, but we'll see more about that. <clears throat> when the story took, took place. So, <clears throat> the one thing, so we don't know what, what her name was, but we know a little bit now about her family. She lived in one of the Ari Yisrael, in the part of Eretz Yisrael that belonged to the, the kingdom of the Malchai Yisrael, Amalchai Yisrael, where Elisha primarily was saying his Nebuah. Elisha was primarily saying Nebuah to the kings of Yisrael, not the kings of Yehuda. And she invited Elisha in, and she made a big effort on inviting Elisha in. And then she built him a special little room where she set up a little Hachnasus Archim room with a table and a chair and a, and, a, and a bed and a nair. And as a result of her making this big effort in Hachnasus Archim, Elisha wanted to know what can he do for her. And eventually promised her that she was, she's going to have a child, which she did. Then that child eventually died. It's not clear what age it was, but it looks like it was a little older, old enough to go and visit his father in the field, so it was, let's say, seven, eight, and the child died. She went back to Alicia, and she said, you promised me a child, and now he died, and Alicia eventually was Mechayim Mesim. This is one of the Nisim of Alicia. In this whole section of Tanakh, there's like from the beginning of Malachim Beis till about Perik Ches, the other, it lists out all the nisim that Elisha did. Elisha did eight, 16 nisim. Um, and the reason why it lists it out is because Eliyahu Navi did eight nisim. And when Eliyahu Navi passed away, or when he passed on, I guess, to Shemayim, he promised Elisha that he will accomplish double of what Eliyahu had accomplished. He promised Elisha that you will be able to accomplish double what I have accomplished. So Eliyahu did eight nisim, Elisha did 16. So this is part of that... That, that whole section of Tanakh that explains all the Nisim that Elisha did. This is one of them. So that's the overview. That's, that's the story. Now somehow this has to relate 
to Parashas Vayera, which starts off with Avraham Avinu doing Achnasas Archim, then uh, being told that he's going to have Yitzchak, getting the Besura from the Malachim, the promise that he's going to have Yitzchak. Then there's the story of the Stein and Light and Sedaim and Sedaim getting destroyed. And then there's Sarah actually having a baby. Then Hagar being sent away together with Yishmael and Yishmael nearly dying. And then the end of the Parsha is that cave. Let's learn inside a little bit of the story and then we'll start seeing the correlations. <clears throat> so, it begins. It was the day, which Chazal say, whenever it says that, it means Rosh Hashanah. It was Rosh Hashanah. Elisha went to Shunem, and there there was a, a great woman. A great woman, the Targum says, means she was a Yerushimayim. She was the Chilchitin, she was a Yerushimayim. Or it means she was a very Choshev woman. And she begged him, to eat by them. And whenever he would pass through this place of Shunem, Yosur Sham Alachalachem, so he would uh, he he acquiesced to her request and he would go there to eat. So she told to her she told her husband, and this is the only mention of her husband in this whole parak, which is also an interesting thing because sometimes you find that you find that certain times women in Tanakh are when they're given attention like Devira or the different women in Tanakh that are given attention, at times there's no mention of their husband at all. And this is the only mention of her husband. It's not clear what part he played in this whole story. So by the time Isha, she told her husband, yadati, I know, ki ish kadishu. I know that he's an ish aleikim, a navi, kadishu, and he's holy. And he passes, he's passing by our house all the time. So Chazal say, how did she know that he was ish aleikim kadishu? Oh, he had a reputation. But it seems like he yadati is something that she knew that no one else knew. Chazal say two things. One thing they say, A woman has an ability to figure out things about her guests more than the man does. That's the first thing Chazal says. So she was sensitive to the nature of the guests much more than her husband was. Even someone on the level of Elisha. Fascinating. And then Chazal explained, how? What did she see? That she's cut, he's Kaddish. So Chazal say three things. I'm going to say two of them. One thing Chazal say is that There was never a fly that passed by where he sat. The, the flies gave him a birth. They didn't, uh, they didn't come close. Which was one of the Nisim that happened at the Beis HaMikdash. When there was Nisim in the Beis HaMikdash, there was never a fly in Sarakachim, even though it was all outdoors in the Beis HaMikdash. The Azara was, there was no roof. So it was all outdoors, and they had meat and raw meat, and you'd think it would be, you know, if you've ever walked into a Shlacht house, it's full of flies. But there was never a fly in Sarakachim. So when someone has a level of Kedusha, a level of holiness, then the flies keep their distance. So that's one thing she noticed that her husband didn't. And the Zayar says that, the Zayar brings this, this is a Gemara, but the Zayar says that's not enough, because her husband could have noticed that. What the Zayar says, you know what it is that she noticed? She would change his linen. And yeah, even after his linen was used, it had the Reach Ganeiden. That's what it says in the Zayar, very interesting. You know, usually used linen doesn't smell that good. His linen had the Reach Ganeiden. So she understood that he was a Ish Kaddish. So she says, Nasa no Aliyah's Kir Kitana. 
let us make a al- aliyah means a uh, a room. It really means like a second floor, an attic. Kir means a wall. So Chazal discuss what this means. Was it a wall or was it an aliyah? So they say one shot is is that they actually took their house, however big it was, and they divided it height wise, and they made the second half of their house height wise into a room for Alicia. Or they say it means they divided their house this way, so that the second half of their house, uh, lengthwise, now belonged to Alicia, was dedicated to Alicia. So they made quite a, um, a contribution from their own living quarters to give it over to Alicia. Nasalan and Elias, Kirkatana, Vinosim Sham, let's make him there, Mita, a bed, Vishulchan, a table, Vikise, and a chair, Omenaira, and a light. The whenever he comes here, he'll be able to stay in this. He'll be able to stay in this little room. So, they took. This is again the only mention of her husband. She asked her husband to, I guess, assist in building this this little room, this little chamber for Elisha, and she built a room for him. And that was the kind of achnasas archim that she did. So there is a little bit. This is achnasas archim clearly, but there's a, a little deeper aspect to this. You take a look at the Gemara over here. Brachas tafiyud through Yudalaf. The Gemara goes through this whole parak, and it says there like this: "Vayasev Chizkiyah upon Abel Akiris Palashem." Chizkiyah was given a death sentence by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Yeshaya Navi went to Chizkiyah Hamelach and told him that you're going to die, and you're going to die soon, within a few days. And the reason why he was going to die was because he hadn't married. But that's a whole story for itself. Why he chose not to marry and why he changed his mind. So he was he was he was got a decree that he was going to die. So Chizkiyah Hamelach said, "I." I have a Kabbalah from David HaMelech. You can give me a decree today till tomorrow. I can always die. So he asked, He turned his face to the wall and he dabbed into Hashem. My kir, why are we mentioning the wall? What's it important that he turned his face to the wall? So the Gemara says, The second Pshat says, Because his tefillah had to do with the wall. He said to Hashem, This Shunamis, this woman, all she did was she built a little wall. You, re, you revived her son and brought him back to life. My grandfather, Shlomo HaMelech, that built the whole base of Mikdash and covered it with Kesef and Zav, you certainly should give me life and, 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 and avert this decree. decree. So, <clears throat> what you see from this comparison is very fascinating. He's saying that the Shunam has built a wall, and my grandfather built the base of Mikdash. Now, it's interesting, it's an interesting comparison. She was doing Hachnas' Archim, and he was building a base of Mikdash. It's not exactly the same thing. So the Mepharshim say, no, 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 that is exactly what she was doing. She wasn't just doing Hachnasus Archem. The reason why she dedicated a special room to Elisha rather than him having uh, just a place to sleep in her house is because she understood the level of Kedusha that Elisha possessed. When a tzaddik of that magnitude comes to a person's house, so everything he eats is like a hakravasa carbon. Everything that he, he, because all his eating is totally 1000% Lashem Shemayim. So his eating is as, as if he brought a carbon. His, everything he does is soul Hashem Shemayim. It's, it's 1,000% Avedis Hashem. She understood this can't take place in a regular, my regular domain. It has to have a Mokam Yuchel like the Mishkan. 
So she built him this house, she built him this little room so that it can be a Mishkan. And uh, I believe the, the Rasha Tevis of what she did, Mita Kisei Shulchaner is Mishkan. Mita Kisei Shulchaner is Mishkan. So she was creating a, a, a semblance of the Beis HaMikdash with what she built, this little house over here. And the next Naimer Chazal is Kol HaMa'areach Talmud Chacham Beteich Beisai. Anybody who had hosts a Talmud Chacham in their house, a Mahaneu Menachasav, and, and had, gives him um, uh, to eat or, or what he needs from their, what, you, what you own. Ki ilu makriv tamidim is as if you were makriv a carbon, shenemar ish aleikim kadosh, oiver aleinu tamid. And the word tamid, it's as if you were makriv the carbon tamid. So that's the, <clears throat> that is the, 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 the extent, I guess, of the kind of Achnas Zarchem she was doing. She didn't just merely do Achnas Zarchem. She, she was recognized how holy Elisha was, how special he was, and she catered to what he was. And she created a little Beis HaMikdash within her house to be able to host Elisha properly. And that's what was this tremendous Choshu. So this is the first correlation that we see between Parshas Vayera and the story of the Isha Shunamis. Parshas Vayera begins with the story of Achnasas Archim. It begins with the perfect act of Achnasas Archim as demonstrated by Avram Avinu. Every single point of how Achnasas Archim should be done, Avram Avinu demonstrates to us how you have to run, how you have to beg people to come, how you have to serve them, you have to give them your best food, etc., etc. It was a, it's, it's a model lesson in Achnas Sarchem. That's what the beginning of Parsha Vieira is. And that's the way this Parsha begins as well, to teach us what, how, what kind of level we need to really go to be Mekai in the midst of Achnas Sarchem. And the next step of it is also a correlation to Parsha's Vieira, because what happens while Avram Avinu is doing this mitzvah Nasazarchim, he gets the promise that he's going to have a son, Yitzchak. And that's what happens to the Isha Shunamis as well. She never had children. And <laughs> through this mitzvah Nasazarchim, she gets the promise from Elisha, as we're about to see, that she's going to have a son. And the Rabbeinu Bechaye has a sefer called Kara Kemach, and Atam uh, Musar, and others for him as well, they say, the language is just very powerful. They say that call hatslacha adam ba'elam hazeh. Any great hatslacha that a person can be zeichetu in this world is solely through the mitzvah achnasazarchem. It's a particular kind of chesed. It's different than other kinds of chesedim, and um, it's not so hard to understand why. Uh, other kinds of chesedim we go out of our house and we do. Achnasazarchem. It's in our house. It's in our valid amis. It's in our private zone. It's uncomfortable it's giving up a lot more than we're necessarily comfortable. And the Isha Shunamis did it to the nth degree, where she literally cut her house in half and totally dedicated one part of it to Hach But when a person is able to achieve that kind of level of chesed, where it's within the person's own house, we're giving up everything that's sacred to us, to be able to do this kind of chesed, that was the source. And even for Avram Avinu, who was the, midst, the, the expert in Midas HaChesed, but it was Achnas Zarchem in particular that gave him the schus of having a child, and that gave the Shunamis the, the schus to have a child. That's what saved Light from Sedaim. 
when he did Hachnas Sarchim. There is another story in Tanakh with Eliyahu Hanavi and the Isha Tzarfatit also. She did Hachnas Sarchim and she was Zeicha to a son. So there's many examples given. And different Sefer over here says, as Sfaradi Gadol, he writes that if a person doesn't have the wherewithal to do Hachnas Sarchim personally, for whatever reason, they can't afford or don't have the ability, he said, then he writes, then try to uh, facilitate Hachnas Sarchim. Try to see if you can find people, places to stay. And then it's, you get that schos of Achnach Zarchem. So that was an interesting thing. So that, 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 that very often we could do. <clears throat> okay, so the story continues. So a day, again, it was Rosh Hashanah once again. And he came to her house. This is the first time he tried out the newly dedicated room for his sake. He came to this room and he slept there. So Elisha had a servant, Meshamish, uh, whose name was Gechazi. This is a he's a very, um, very difficult figure to understand in Tanakh. A lot of a lot of contradictory aspects to his uh, to, to, to his life. It's very hard to understand him. It's also a, a whole thing for itself. But anyway, crawl the woman, the Shunam is to come. She, he called her and she stood in front of him. So he told Gechazis, it's interesting, he didn't speak to the Shunamis directly yet. When he gives her the, 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 the promise that she'll have a child, he does. But right now he speaks through Gechazi. Chazal say that you couldn't look in Elisha's face directly. That's how holy he was. And it sounds like Chazal say that if a person would look in Elisha's face directly, they would pass out. <laughs> that's, that's what it says. So he spoke through someone else. Tell her, You have, Charedah uh, means that you were like anxious, anxiously did this, or with Zrizus, you, you um, so carefully took care of all our needs. What can I do for you? Can I perhaps speak on your behalf to the king? Or to the general? So, simply understood, it means, you know, uh, I have pull. He was, uh, he was the Navi, you know, he spoke to the king and the general on a regular basis. So, if there's something that you need, can I take care of it for you? Chazal says, I mean something else. Chazal says it was Rosh Hashanah. And he says, can I daven for you? Is there something that, a request you need from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Is there something I can do for you and over there in Shemayim? And she said a very, very uh, famous line, which you might have heard in a different contexts. She said, I don't want to be separated, put apart from the rest of my nation. I want to be judged by HaKadosh Baruch Hu together with everybody else. Once a person gets set, set apart and he's held up on the pedestal for judgment alone, that's never good. I want, if I want to be judged, I want to be judged just as a part of Klal Yisrael, and that's the biggest chos a person can have. It's, that's tar- discussion for Rosh Hashanah, to be a part of the Klal. She said, I'm, I'm content with the fact that I'm B'Sei So he asked Gechazi, so what can we do for her? So Gechazi said, She doesn't have a child. So here she has this opportunity, you think, you know. She doesn't have a child for all these years. He has Alicia. Alicia's asking her, what can I do for you? And she doesn't ask for that. This is fascinating for itself. She has an opportunity to get a bracha from Alicia for a child. She, doesn't ask, she herself doesn't ask for that. 
She doesn't have a child. And her husband is old. So it says her husband is old. But like we said before, she must have been very, very old. <laughs> somewhere on the, the, you know, in her 90s or, or, or older or younger, somewhere in that area. So she was very old. She was. Chazal says she was. But it mentions her, it was in her presence, I guess. So it mentions that her husband is old. So he said, call her. And they called her. And she stood in the doorway. Chazal say, why did she stand in the doorway? Because Vichud. So she didn't go into the room. She just stood in the doorway. At the time of Pesach, and he said, this time of year, and you'll be alive next year as this year, you're going to be hugging a child. She said, no, my master, don't lie to your, your, your maidservant, your, you know, your, your Talmud. So this is what the the Rishonim, the, the Paiskim say, is actually the reason why this Haftira is the Haftira of Parshas Vayera, because this is almost the exact language that the Malachim promised Sarah Imenu. They told her, um, <clears throat> the language they told Sarah Imenu is, Shoiv Ashav Elechok Eschaya, we will return to you next year as this year. You'll have a son, Sarah will have a son. They were talking to Abraham Avinu. So here, again, here Elisha addresses her directly. He's not talking through Gechazi anymore. He told her, like to this the next year, this time, you're going to be holding a child. But then she doesn't believe him. She says, No, my master, don't lie. Now, why would she not believe the Navi? <laughs> <laughs> and Elisha had already established his reputation. We're holding by Nace number eight or nine at this point in, in Tanakh. So he was good at this, you know. He, he, he made things happen. So why did she not believe him? And not only did she not believe him here, but later on when her son dies, she goes to Elisha and she says, this is what I said was going to happen. Hello, Marati al Tashla. I said, what was it that she didn't believe? So Pashim Shad is like this. The Chazal say, this is Rashi and Vayera. <coughs> Chazal say that, that the, the, what the Malachim said to Sarah was different than what Elisha said to this Shunamis. The Malachim told Sarah, we're going to come back in a year's time and you're going to have a child. And he told her, in a year you'll have a child. He didn't promise her that he'll come back. So then that's what she right away challenged him on. She said, what's going on over here? The Malachim said to Sarah, I'm, we're going to come back. You're not telling me you're going to come back. So he answered, this Rashi Vayera says, he answered and he says, well, Malachim are eternal. So they know that they're going to be alive in a year. So they can guarantee they're going to come back. I'm a boss of Adam. I, who knows if I'll be alive next year. So I can't tell you that I'm going to come back. Now, just to understand more what's going on, so I saw Sefer explain, this is the Pashup Shat. He says like this, he says that she didn't understand what it was Alicia was telling her. On one hand, Alicia sounds like he's guaranteeing her a son. He's saying a nevuah. In a year, you're going to have a son. But on the other hand, he's not promising that he'll come back. So it sounds like that it's not a, a nevuah that she's going to have a son. It's just like a bracha that she should have a son. If he's not saying he's going to come back, that sounds like it's not guaranteed. It's not for sure. So that's why she's saying al-techazev. Techazev means don't say something that sounds like something else. 
Don't say it in a way that it sounds like it's a nevo. It sounds like it's for sure going to happen, but apparently you don't really mean it's for sure going to happen because you're not telling me you're going to come back. So the, the way it sounds is like you're making it sound like it's for sure going to happen, but at the same time you're indicating that it's not so guaranteed. And that's what he explained. No, the reason why I left out myself coming back is because I'm not capable of guaranteeing that part. Now, there's another depth to this. Why it is that she would say, don't, don't, don't lie to me. And why, ultimately, when her son died, she felt like she was vindicated and this is what she was worried about. And this is a, this is a very deep thing. It's a Zayar, and number of Merkubalim talk about it. And it's really what really ties together the story of the Shunamis and Yitzchak and Sarah. They say that when a nace like this happens and the Shadamas who didn't have children now had a child, in order for the child to be able to survive, in order for the child to be able to have children, to be able to, to live, the husband and wife have to both be on the same level. They have to be both as committed, as fully worthy of the nest, as fully, fully committed to the nest, fully believing in the nest, together. And if not, then there's an imbalance. Then from one side, it's, the nace is fully uh, recognized, and from the other side, it's not. And if there's an imbalance, then the child can't really go on. The child can't survive that way. Then there's something, is, there's a chisar in the neshama. The way, again, the desire discusses this, explains it, but it's not, it, it lacks perfection. And over here, he was addressing her, the, the, the promise was to her, and her husband wasn't in the picture. So there was an imbalance. The neshama of this child came from her and did not come from the husband. And there was something missing. And she understood that as a result of that, this child's not going to be able to survive. So that's why she asked Elisha, this is, this is wrong. And the same thing happened with Yitzchak as well. With Yitzchak and Sarah and Avram, there was something missing. Why exactly? It seems more complicated than what happened here. So I don't understand that part. But again, there was something missing. The fascinating part about this is that when this, this child dies and then he's revived by Elisha, the neshama that comes in the second time is a complete neshama. And by Yitzchak the same thing happened. Yitzchak by the Akedah, it says it was parcha neshmasai. And he got a new neshama. And before the Akedah he couldn't have had children and after the Akedah he was able to have children. And uh, just what's fascinating about that is that because I'll say that Avram Avinu had really a question. He said, You, Hashem, promised me that I'll have children and grandchildren and my whole nation because of Yitzchak. And now you're telling me to shech Yitzchak, to bring him up on the Akedah. But the truth was that the, on the contrary, it was only the two things together that enabled Yitzchak. If not for the Akedah, Yitzchak could not have had children. So it was only because of the Akedah that Yitzchak... And, ultimately was able to have children. But we'll see as we go along to try to understand a little bit more what this really means. Okay, so <clears throat> she became pregnant and she had a child. It was at the same time of year 
Alicia exactly the time that Alicia spoke to her. The child grew up, and then it was the day. He went out to his father, who they were working in the field. My head is hurting. He told one of his servants, bring him to his mother. She carried him and brought him to his mother. And he sat on her lap until the afternoon. And he died. And he died. Why did he die? Well, why actually, you know, we said, you know, there's the desire and there's, this, the, there's some, some deeper aspects, but a simple understanding, well, why did she deserve this? Why, why did this child die? So we'll talk about that in a minute. So she took the child and she put him on the bread of Elisha. And she closed the door, and she left. Now, she did have to hide the fact that he died because, very simply, the, her husband would have buried him. It's, it's a mitzvah. You can't push that off. She can't uh, tell him, well, one second, and we're going to have a tchiyas hamesim. <laughs> it's not something you can, you can guarantee. Uh, there was a chiv kvura. He would, have, he would have buried her. So she had to hide the fact that he died. She called out to her husband, send me a servant, and a donkey, and I will run to visit Elisha, and I'll return. He told her, Why are you going to him today? It's not Rish Chodesh, and it's not Shabbos. She said, don't worry, everything is good. Actually, this Pasuk is the source for the mitzvah of Kabbalah's Pnei Rabbi Beragel, there's a mitzvah, mitzvah part of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, to visit your Rebbe on a regal, on a, on a yantif. And we learn out of this passage, because she said, why, he said to her, why are you going? It's not Shabbos, and it's not Rosh Chaydish. He doesn't mention regal. The question, they say Shabbos includes regal. So it's not Shabbos, which Shabbos also includes yantif, and it's not Rosh Chaydish. Why are you going? Because that would be a right time to go. And she says, don't worry about it. She saddled the Asan, lead it, don't stop me from riding unless I, I tell you to stop. She went and reached Elisha, uh, Al Hara Carmel, that's where he lived. When Elisha Navi saw her from a distance, he told to Gechazi his servant, I see the Shunamis is coming. Ata roots all across a run and greet her. Tell her is peace to you, peace to your husband, and peace to the child. And to Gechazi also. She said everything is at peace. Now, as far as I'm saying, that she said that because she was 1000% sure that Elisha would take care of this. That was the level of her Ptachan. And this they say, was a tikkun on the fact that originally she doubted. She said, So there was an element of doubt, with car- which correlates also to what we see by Sara, The Sara also had, a, had a, a, a level of doubt in the nais when, uh, when, the, when, when the, the Malach promised it to her. And here she was misakin it by saying she's 100% sure that everything is good. She reached the the Elisha, and she grabbed his feet. And Gechazi came to push her away. And Chazal have very, very sharp language here on Gechazi, that he touched her inappropriately. 
And uh, this was one of the... She herself, the Shunamis, declares that a Gechazi is not worthy of serving Elisha. In the beginning when she says, Isha Lekim Kaddishu, he's holy, but Mishar Sayyane Kaddish. His, ser- his servant is not holy. So he touched her inappropriately. Let go of her. Because she's very bitter. And Hashem hid this from me and didn't tell me. This line is such an important line to understand Nabiim. He said, Hashem hid it from me and didn't tell me. That means, we understand a Navi, as you know, every so often he would get like a news blast from a Kaddish Baruch right? He would tell him, here he would tell him this, and then he would go and he would, he would report that to Kal Yisrael. A Navi knew everything. He, if he didn't know something, it was Hashem Halimimeni. There was nothing a Navi didn't know. He was in, no, he was in constant, constant contact with a Kaddish Baruch Everything that happened to anybody he was in f- fully aware of. And the Gras says, and we can understand it better when we see this Pasik, that the point of a Navi, you know, we have the Navim that they said, Navuah, that was Navuah Dairis. That was the Navuah that was for all generations. But on a regular day-to-day basis, a person would go to a Navi and a Navi would tell him exactly what Hashem wants from him. He knew everything that was going on in every person's life. He was Hakadosh Baruch Hu's representative, and he represented Hakadosh Baruch Hu's level of knowledge of what's going on in every person's life. So he said that if I don't know what's going on with this, with with the with the shunamis, Hashem held me many. Hashem must have hidden it from me. She said, "Hadn't I? Didn't I ask for a child from from my master?" I said, "Don't." Cause me to be barren. <clears throat> Don't cause me to be cursed. So, put on your belt, and take my cane on your hand, and go. If you find a person, don't say Shalom Aleichem to him. And if someone says Shalom Aleichem to you, don't say Aleichem Hashalom. Don't answer him. And put my cane on the face of the child. Chazal explained, Rashi brings down, why was it so important that he shouldn't say Shalom Aleichem or Aleichem Hashalom? They say a nace has to be done b'tzina. For a nace to work, it has to be done privately and no one knows about it. Uh, so much so, the Baal Taisus says that, that when Sarah was told, she overheard the Malachim saying that she's going to have a son, Yitzchak. So the Baal Taisus says that she went and told her friends and that was why Hashem was upset at her. Not because she denied, not because she questioned the nace, because she told other people. And a nace has to be bitsina. It's interesting. So, the Taimer Eim Hanar, the mother said, Chai Hashem so she swore, Im I will never leave you. And Gechazi followed her. So Gechazi went in front of them, and he put the cane on the face of the nar, there was no sound, nothing. So he returned to Elisha, the child didn't wake up. Chazal say, why didn't it work? Elisha said it was going to work, why didn't this work? Because Gechazi didn't listen. Gechazi did say Shalom Aleichem to people. Gechazi told everybody, I'm going to be Mechaim Mason. This was a big event. <laughs> this, was, this was considered to be like the crowning achievement 
of Elisha's career, because B'mechayim Mesim was previously only something that Eliyahu Anabi had done, and was officially something only a Kaddish Baruch Hu can do. And the Medrash says that, a Kaddish Baruch Hu says, Ein ka, the Pasig in, uh, in Zeis HaBracha, Ein ka keel yeshurin. There is no one like Hashem, Ein ka keel yeshurin. But Klai Yisrael could be like God. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only one who can get grand people children. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only one who could be Mechayim Mesim. Till Klai Yisrael, there was no one else who could do it. Alisha, he was able to do it. So this was a big event, and he did not keep it a secret. So it didn't work. So Elisha came and went. The child is dead, sleeping on the bed. So he locked the door, and he made sure it was private. In front of both of them, and he went and he lied down on the child. And he, he put his eyes on his eyes, his mouth on his mouth, his hands on his hands. And he breathed on him. And the child started to warm up. He got up and he walked back and forth. And again he breathed on him. The child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. And he called her. She came to him. Take your child. She bowed down, she thanked him, and she took her child and left. And that's the end of the story. Who was this child? What happened to this kid? <laughs> so this child became Chavakuk Hanavi, according to Zayar. Why was he called Chavakuk? Chavakuk means hugging. Chavakuk is double hugging. When he was born, his mother hugged him, then he died. And then the second time, Elisha hugged him, as we just read. He lied on him and he hugged him, and that was the second, the second time he was hugged. And the importance of this, according to some swarm, is as follows. They say that the reason why this child died was because when a child is born out of such a tremendous nace, where she was in Akara, and she was an old woman, and her husband was old, and there was no way they could have a child, and you have such a child, such a child has to be dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Chana, when she had the nace and she had Shmuel, immediately she dedicated her child Shmuel to live in the Beis HaMikdash. He lived the rest of his life. He lived in the Beis HaMikdash. He lived with Eli Akayin. She was dedicated her child to Hashem. Yitzchak Avinu lived the life of an Eilat Mima. His life was dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. His life changed. And she didn't do that. Initially, he was assisting his father in work. He was already being groomed to, to live a life of a regular person. And that wasn't the kind of life he could live. And that required him to stop, <laughs> to die, and then to be revived. And then he went on his life's mission as Chavach HaKanav, to became one of the Nevi'im. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting about this, I guess, what we can learn from this, and, and this is another correlation that we see here, is that there's three women and three children in, in the Parashas Vayera, and in the Haftarah. There's Sarah and Yitzchak, there's Hagar and Yishmal, and now there's Shunamis and her, ch- her son, who was Chavakov. All three of them, their child either died or nearly died. The Shunamis, her, si- her, ch- her child died. Yitzchak was somewhere in the middle, it was Parcha Nishmasa, and Hagar, Yishmal, almost died. All three of them, that point in their life, represented a change 
in what their mission was and what the nature of their life would be. This child turned into Chavakah Kanavi at this point. Yitzchak became an Eulah Tamima after that Kedah. Once he turned into an Eulah, his whole life was different. He had to live life differently. He, his his Avedis Hashem changed. And Yishmael, we know up to the point when Yishmael almost died, he was sent out of Avram's house because he was an Eved of Edizara, he was Shaifech Damim, he, he was a murderer, he was an idolater, he, he was Ivaran Gil Arias. And then, the next time we hear Yishmael, he's accompanying Avram to the Akedah, and then Chazal tells us he did a full tshuva. So this was a turning point in Yishmael's life as well. And what I guess we can see from here, which is an interesting thing, is that there are times when in people's lives tremendous things happen. It can be we're forced to move to a different place. It can be chas a tragedy. It can be a number of different things. And as a result of that, the whole course of a person's life can change. And what we're seeing over here is, is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a certain trajectory that He wants for a person, and if it's, if it's not right from the beginning, if for whatever reason the way a person is, has begun, it can't happen, whether it's because his Sharish and Hashem is wrong, as is in the case of this Shunamis and, and, and Yitzchak, or it's a deeper reason, or because a person has just strayed from the path where HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the person to go, that trajectory has to get realized. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do what's necessary to reposition a person so that they can get back onto the path. That's just a fascinating thing. The, 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 the clarity of how you see that progressed over here in this story, how it progressed in Parashas Vayera. And when you look at it through the eyes of the Zayar, it's even more, I guess, inspiring that there is sometimes things that are so beyond what we can really understand why such things are necessary, why these events are necessary, why this you know, something that overturns our life, why it had to happen. It can be something that has such a deep and a high, you know, in Shmei Shemayim, something has to change, which, has, which ends up being this, you know, huge event on this world. It just demonstrates us how much Amun and Betachem we need to have and realize how little we can really try to understand why things are happening. And what we do need to understand is in the new position we've been placed in, what is that showing us? What does Hashem want from us now? Rather than understand why it happened, but to understand what it is Hashem wants from us this point and forward. And that was when Shicha, the Shunamis changed, you know, and, and then dedicated her son to, to Limit Atayra and to be, become a Navi Hashem. Yitzchak became an Elo Tamima, and Yishmael changed his life. Why it happened wasn't as important as what was it that Hashem wants from them right now. There's a lot to think about, but it's a, the story itself, there's, you know, I, I touched on a couple of points on here. There's many, many fascinating aspects that Chazal bring out out of it. Well.